This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Did you know Book Riot has over 25 newsletters covering every genre as well as book news and deals? Sign up for book deals to get notified about the best book sales of the day, handpicked by our editorial staff. There's Today in Books, our daily newsletter summing up the most interesting headlines from the book world every day. And don't miss our newest newsletter, Our Queerest Shelves, which will deliver LGBTQ plus news and recommendations straight to your inbox. We've also got newsletters for horror fans, romance readers, nonfiction lovers, YA fans, mystery thriller aficionados, and more. Just go to bookriot.com slash newsletters to sign up for the newsletters that are most interesting to you. That is bookriot.com slash newsletters. Welcome to For Real, a bi-weekly nonfiction books podcast that puts the spotlight on books that tell it like it is. Or try to. We'll cover new releases, backlist finds, and more. For Real is a Book Riot podcast and is hosted by me, Alice Burton, and fellow rioter Kim Eukera. We're recording on Saturday, March 13th. Hi, Kim. Hello, Alice. How are you today? Um, I just... <laughs> <laughs> yes. We, yes. We were just talking about how it's like, I think for a lot of people, at least in the Midwest, a uh, one-year anniversary mm-hmm. of quarantine and Mm -hmm. it's weird it's weird it's real weird like you can just kind of feel it in your body I think and like for me the like pandemic and all of it sort of really kicked off on Friday March 13th last year when Minnesota made a bunch of changes and things at my job kind of went a little nuts and so yesterday when I was at work I just could like Like, you just feel that energy of knowing that, like, a year ago today, like, everything was going really crazy. And then the state of Minnesota made some other announcements yesterday afternoon. And it just was a lot of, like, oh, yes, it's been a long time and we've done this before and it's been really hard. Um, So just, like, processing that in strange ways, I think. Yeah. Well, we were talking right before the podcast about how this idea that, you know, whether or not you're aware of it, the, the body kind of, like, will remember mm-hmm. when trauma happens according to, like, kind of the time of year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're not even thinking, like, you know, oh, I'm feeling stressed about this being the one year, it's very possible that you will still be having some kind of reaction, uh, whether that be, you know, being more forgetful than usual or what were some of the other things you were talking about? Oh, just, like like, losing track of words or... Just for me, it's been just feeling out of sorts or like that nothing feels quite as easy as it should or things that seem things that seem like they should be easy feel extremely hard. Uh, and my reading has been a little strange, too. I've gone through phases of only doing comfort reading. And now for the last few weeks, I feel like I've just been reading a lot of books about really dark and hard things, uh, which doesn't feel like it feels like a strange processing mechanism, but it is what it is. Absolutely. Okay. It's so weird. So I read The Collected Schizophrenias, and then I read Hidden Valley Road, which is really Ooh, good, yeah. but also extremely <laughs> difficult. Like, mm-hmm. um, for people going in, so there is a, 
I would say a very uh, glancing mention of animal abuse. There uh, is um, definitely sexual abuse within the family. There is, gosh, what are the other like? There murder. Are, are really difficult. There's murder, uh, domestic abuse. There is uh, kind of like parental trauma. Um, there is a very detailed um, end of life thing written, which was uh, hard for me because I lost my mom a few years ago. And so like, you know, it was very like, uh, there's a lot in there. Mm-hmm. So going through it, just like it's it is really good, and uh, I'm really impressed with. I think when you initially talked about the book, you were like, uh, despite there being 12 children, he, he does a Robert Colker does a really good job of making them all differentiated, and you got mm-hmm. to kind of feel like you you know learned uh, the different personalities of most of them. And I would totally agree. Um, that was really impressive. And it's I think it deserves to have, you know, been as lauded as it was. But it was just like, oh, my goodness. What a mm-hmm. hard book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I think I don't remember. I don't think I talked about this on the last podcast, but I, I finally finished Truth, Truth, Two Truths and a Lie by Ellen McGarrahan, which you really liked, um, which is another one. It's a true crime investigative memoir that involves murders and a botched execution and all sorts of other really dark stuff. But there was something really like, I I was very into that one for a couple, probably a week straight. Um, Yeah, just, just strange time. Um, The one other, um, I guess, personal uh, promotion that I wanted to do real quick before we get into the episode is that uh, this week I got to guest host Get Booked, which is Book Riot's book recommendation podcast. So people can write in and ask for very specific book recommendations and then the hosts give them. So I uh, guest hosted with Jen, who is one of the regular hosts, and we did a whole nonfiction episode. Um, We talked about kid-friendly science audiobooks, body positive memoirs, all sorts of really interesting stuff. So if you are interested in that, it is Get Booked. And uh, you can find it in the same place you find for real in your podcast apps so nice it was fun (laughs) um that's i haven't listened to get booked in a while i feel like i should pick that up book riot for those unaware has a number of fantastic genre (laughs) podcasts (laughs) um and with that let's get into our first sponsor uh that is the front lines of peace by severine otaser uh, contrary to what most politicians preach, building peace doesn't require billions in aid or massive international interventions. Real, lasting peace requires giving power to local citizens. So this is kind of this, we've talked about it briefly on the podcast, about, you know, making change on a local level. Successful examples of peace building around the world in countries at war or at peace have involved innovative grassroots initiatives led by local people at times supported by foreigners often employing methods shunned by the international elite. So this book, The Frontlines of Peace, by award-winning researcher and peace builder Severine Otisser, tells the stories of the ordinary yet extraordinary individuals and organizations that are confronting violence in their communities effectively. So uh, this focuses on field research in 12 different conflict zones, there are comparisons with social initiatives in North America and Europe um, and interviews with peace builders, warlords, uh, victims, survivors, politicians, and local civilians. And uh, again, it kind of like just challenges this popular belief about war and peace and conflict resolution uh, that people just take as fact and like how we can achieve peace. So uh, if you're interested, this sounds fantastic. Uh, it is The Front Lines of Peace by Severine Otisser. Excellent. That sounds awesome. Sounds very interesting. 
Uh, so we just have one piece of nonfiction news this week. It's a little bit older, but we missed it uh, for last episode. And that is uh, about Hulu's The Dropout, which is a series about Elizabeth Holmes, who was uh, part of John Carreyrou's book, book Bad Blood, that both of us super loved. Um, so Hulu has been working on an adaptation that originally was going to star Kate McKinnon as Elizabeth Holmes, but um, Pat Saperstein in Variety reports that she has dropped out of the series. So they are going to, the limited drama series is going to look to cast a new actor to play Elizabeth Holmes, and they hope to start production this summer. So um, Elizabeth Holmes and Bad Blood and all of that is about the company Theranos, which invented this machine that was supposed to offer an easy way to test for diseases through the blood, but uh, the machine didn't work, and it was a huge case of fraud uh, and dishonesty about the company and everything that happened. And Elizabeth Holmes is an interesting character. So I was really excited to see Kate McKinnon play her. I think that... um, just from like the the you know the coverage we have of Elizabeth Holmes while she was with Theranos, like she just has this like kind of an odd vibe about her that I think Kate McKinnon would have really captured well. Um, but I'm also curious to see who they might cast instead. Do you know who I would cast? Please tell me. Charlize Theron. Oh, that would she be very totally interesting. She's so good. Yeah, and like she can play so many. I just feel like she would nail it. I'm just saying. Yes, that is really, that would be very interesting. Oh, the other thing the article notes is that um, there's another uh, book, or excuse me, another feature film that's being planned around it uh, that's going to star Jennifer Lawrence as Elizabeth Holmes. So I, I don't know. It's, that one seems a little bit stranger to me. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm 100% on board. But. I'm just picturing Jennifer Lawrence doing that, like, fake deep voice that Elizabeth Holmes does. <laughs> oh gosh all right yeah so anyway we're gonna have a lot of elizabeth holmes uh pop culture soon and we'll see who's gonna play the various roles uh so with that we will jump into this week's new nonfiction, which are books coming out soon or have recently come out that we are either excited to read or have read and can recommend so uh alice you are first this week okay i'm really excited about this one and i didn't think i was going to be i'm jazzed too just by the title how to say it (laughs) This is Follow the Flock, How Sheep Shaped Humans Should... Oh my gosh, I almost said Human Civilization. <laughs> how Sheep Shaped Human Civilization by Sally Coldhard. This was out March 2nd from Pegasus Books. Um, I love Pegasus Books because they publish really nerdy yes. stuff. So yes, I was initially like, oh great, another book about how a specific thing shaped human civilization. But it's really interesting, and I really like it. So, okay. And I don't even really have that many feelings about sheep. But something I really appreciate about it is that Sally Coulthard does not do that thing where it's like, here is my personal life and my journey to learn about sheep. Mm. She's just like, here's a lot of facts about sheep. (laughs) And I just really respect that. So this is starting from, honestly, like, uh, going back 10,000 years. When they found, uh, like, well, I guess it was 9,500 years ago, they found, like, ovine bones uh, among human civilization. And it talks about how we domesticated sheep, what they were originally like, where we can find current examples of, like, what Iron Age sheep probably looked like. And, like, how we, um, you know, sheep don't, naturally, they, like, shed their wool. And that's, because I was thinking about that recently. I was like, how do sheep in the wild just, like, get rid of their wool? And it's that that they're supposed to, but we bred them to just constantly have it and so that we have to manually 
clip it off. Except for that um, one sheep that they just found that had like years and years and years of, of fur on it that they had to, or wool on it t- that they had to. They talk about, okay, they talk about Shrek, the sheep who had 60 pounds of wool because he he went out and hid in a cave for a bunch of years. And then they talk about Chris, who had, uh, oh, was it 80 pounds? It was a lot. Yeah. So, but, so it's that. And then it also, though, like, goes into mythology. So it talks about, like, where the idea of Jason and the Golden Fleece, like, what that could have possibly been referring to, which was really fascinating. It talks about all the amazing properties of wool like it's naturally fire resistant mm. uh and like talking about why it can all it can keep you warm but also keep you cool just like depending on the temperature outside and like what's going on with its structure and like basically now i feel like i am the biggest fan of wool <laughs> based on <laughs> what i've read here it talks about how the beret came into existence and like why it was so useful and it's been such a popular hat for centuries um also again made out of wool there's just been so much and it goes like she's going chronologically uh up through time and again i j- i went in being like okay whatever and like i don't really care about sheep and i'm just so into if you love like facts and like interesting things and finding out why we do certain things or how something came to be this is a wonderful book for that kind of thing so again that is follow the flock how sheep shaped human civilization by sally coltard that sounds amazing like what a great great what a great book that i don't have anything else to say that just sounds so fun all right uh my first pick is a professional troublemaker the fear fighter manual by lovey ajayi jones and it comes out March 2nd from Penguin Life. Uh, and so this book she is writing about uh, people that she calls professional troublemakers. A professional troublemaker is someone who critiques the world, critiques the shoddy system, and critiques the people who refuse to do better. So um, you may recognize her name. She wrote a book a couple of years ago called I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual, which I think was really popular when it came out. And then I think it got another kind of boost last year when people started recommending so many books by uh, Black authors. Um, and so that book is one that asks people to commit to leaving the world a better place than we found it. And so she frames this book um, as sort of the the next step of that journey so the what the what we should do is part of i'm judging you and the how we should do it is part of what we find in professional troublemaker so she talks a lot about how people herself included are afraid um afraid of asking what we want afraid of hearing no afraid of being different being too much or not enough and so that fear is what is one of the things that can hold us back and we can't make meaningful change or or for ourselves or for anyone else until we push past that fear and become the kind of troublemakers that she wants us all to be. People who are committed to not letting fear talk them out of the things they need to do or say to live free. And so this book is just about how to become a professional troublemaker and it's very uh, action oriented. So she has it divided into three sections. The first section B is about the things we need to get, things we need to do to ourselves and figure out about ourselves before we can start doing the things that scare us. Uh, The section say is about using our voices for our own good and then which in turn can be used for everyone's greater good. And then the third section do is about how to put movement to the voice that we're learning to unsilence. And um, so I started reading this one and she talks very (laughs) explicitly in the beginning about how she thinks that you should have read her first book before you read the second one. And I was like, eh, no, whatever. I'm just going to 
just going to keep going and see what happens. And I got through a few chapters and I was like, no, I really do feel like I want to go back and read I'm Judging You before doing this one. So I don't think you would necessarily have to, but like that's the reading journey that I would like to take. So I'm going to put this one aside for a bit, wait till my audiobook comes from the library of I'm Judging You and then come back to it. But it is really interesting. The first chapters talk about like coming up with your personal manifesto and like what is the person that you want to be and what is the kind of taking credit for your accomplishments and recognizing what they are and celebrating the things that you are good at and then taking that and channeling it into a better understanding of yourself and the kind of the 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 impact you feel you can have on the world and the changes that you yourself are empowered to to make once you can move past your fear so I think it's a really good book for like now and where we are and the things that at least myself need to start hearing and doing more of so that is professional troublemaker the fear fighter manual by lovey ajayi jones oh that sounds really i like this like you know trying to sort of figure out who you are and the person you want to become Mm -hmm. um i i think that a very gentle version of that for our current year Mm -hmm. (laughs) would be really helpful um just you know in terms of like giving you like goals and something Mm -hmm. to do while being inside yeah we're at like a weird turning point of like where we've been and the world kind of it's not ever going back to normal like there's that's not a thing anymore like it never was really but like how do we want to take what we've learned in a pandemic year plus as we shift back into something different I think is a yeah I agree yeah for sure um amazing i put her first book on hold at the library so that i can read the second although as you said can probably read the second without it Mm -hmm. but sounds helpful um okay my next pick is already toast caregiving and burnout in america by kate washington this is out march 16th from beacon press when i saw this title i was like yes great i will (laughs) uh i would love to talk about this book um just the if anyone has had to be a caregiver for um, anyone in their life. So like basically she mainly focuses on unpaid caregiving. Mm -hmm. So this is primarily like for family members and um, how that can burn you out. And uh, it's, it's extremely hard. We don't have a good system for it in America. And so she talks about that and also um, some, you know, ideas for how we can fix it. So, it's starting with talking about um, caring labor in all its forms, compensating that labor adequately. Um, she calls it a major issue for contemporary feminism and social justice uh, that the uh, COVID-19 pandemic has particularly laid bare, which I would fully agree, right? Like, um, people are now having to do all of this extra caregiving for uh, sick loved ones on top of, let's say, like their job at home and also caring for children potentially. Like there's just so much. And she talks about how the burden is falling particularly on women, which I don't think is a huge surprise. So uh, another thing she says is that our culture undervalues caring and exploits those who care for others, shunting these tasks, uh, again, disproportionately onto women, people of color, and other marginalized groups often paying them no more than minimum wage for their efforts. So it's interesting because she she talks about it from the vantage point of her husband um, had cancer, and she 
says like she had essentially every privilege and advantage like they had money they had good insurance um they had a support system around them um she was able to do things that like self-care guides say like you know get a massage or whatever but she said she still was experiencing extreme burnout and had you know times where she was like i should i just like get on a plane and you know like flee essentially and then she was like i can't do that to my husband i can't do that to my kids and just that feeling of of being trapped and like what do you do when you're burned out but you still have this you know um responsibility that you have chosen to you know accept so i mean it's really fascinating again i think it's really relevant um the one of the early points she makes is about as the baby boom generation is aging and they have there are so many in that generation and not as many in the following one um the need for caregivers and particularly family caregivers is going to grow and what is that going to look like so it's really a a pressing concern that we need to figure out a solution for um so if if you are interested in learning more about about caregiving, about what you can do uh, in the case of burnout, how to maybe set yourself up to be in a a potentially better situation if facing that, um, I would recommend this. So Already Toast, Caregiving and Burnout in America by Kate Washington. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, and that idea that like even people granted every advantage and privilege that our system can give you still struggle and still cannot do some of the things that we're being asked to do that's come up in a few different books i've read lately just as a kind of an undercurrent of it um that's something really interesting and difficult to think about so yeah good pick that's well she references that book that she references that book that i think you've read uh the emily nagoski oh mm -hmm. yeah burnout Um, burnout yeah um, I mean, it, obviously, it ties in, but yeah, she talked. She quoted some stuff from that, and I was like, "Oh gosh, that sounds really good too." So <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just a, a lot of work, unsurprisingly, right now being done around burnout. So uh, my next pick is called "Fulfillment: Winning and Losing in One Click America" by Alex McGinnis, which is coming out March sixteenth from FSG. And this is a book looking at Amazon Amazon's impact on the wealth and poverty of towns and cities across the United States. And so this isn't a book that is like an expose of Amazon. Um, what it is is that it looks at what is happening in places that fall under sort of the shadow of the company. So places where warehouses are, places where the company has headquarters or offices, and how that company's outsized impact on our um, economy, especially in light of the pandemic when all of us were doing so much online shopping, what that really is starting to mean outside of those walls. And so um, it's looking at like the delivery hubs, the data centers and corporate campuses and how they epitomize a land where winners and loser cities and regions are drifting steadily apart. So um, kind of a big theme of the book is um, income inequality, both both for individuals and for regions. And so it looks at how there are starting to be wealthy regions and there are starting to be poor regions and how those differences in the same way that income inequality is starting to like spread and exacerbate, like those geographic differences are starting to spread and how uses Amazon as kind of one example of how that kind of economic shift is happening and then what it means. Um, And so what I really like about the book so far is that he's very invested in stories. And so chapters are very focused on people and individuals and telling their life experiences and their stories and then tying those into this bigger argument about Amazon and inequality and you know corporate 
money grabbing and stuff like that. So it just it's um it's a very personal book. So he's starting in Seattle where he talks about how um, office towers displaced a historically black neighborhood. He's looking at like in El Paso where uh, small office supply firms are trying to like get through Amazon's takeover of government procurement efforts, where warehouses are impacting steel plants, just all of these different ways in which Amazon coming in is starting to affect sort of the core parts of these communities and how then that gap between rich and poor is causing all sorts of different problems. Um, it's very... It's very good. Um, I Like I said, I love the focus on people and their stories because I think as much as we can look at data and evidence, like it's those stories that really like impact you and those stories that really show what some of these things mean. Um, and so it's just, it's a really interesting book so far. Um, and he uses Amazon. He explains kind of why that's a good example for right now, but this really kind of applies to a lot of different big corporations and the shadows that they're casting and the, the ways that they're impacting people. So it's a, uh, it's about Amazon, but it's not, and kind of a lot of different things. So that is Fulfillment, Winning and Losing in One Click America by Alex McGinnis. That's really interesting. I was thinking when you were talking about El Paso, how um, we were just talking about this, you know, like making change at the local level, and that's like kind of what you can impact the most. Because I was like, gosh, that sounds really kind of, you know, throws one into that like despair state again of like, mm-hmm. oh, they're like trying to take over like everywhere. And then I was like, I can look at what they're doing in my city. Right. And like talk to my alderman and that kind of thing. So it's like, what can you do in your immediate area? Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we all do that, hey. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's my that's my eloquent sum up of that situation. <laughs> very, very touching. Very touching. All right. So with that, uh, those are some new books. March is a really big month for the new books. So I'm sure that we'll have a bunch more in our next episode later this month because, yeah, with publishing has not slowed down at all this year which is exciting and also like a little daunting sometimes uh and so with that we will uh get to our second sponsor which is wild rescues by kevin grange wild rescues is a fast-paced first-hand glimpse into the exciting lives of paramedics who work with the national park service a unique brand of park rangers who respond to medical and traumatic emergencies in some of the most isolated and rugged parts of america Between calls, Grange reflects upon the democratic ideal of the National Park mission, the beauty of the land, and the threats facing it. So this book is a must-read for nature enthusiasts and adventure buffs, um, for fans of things like A Thousand Naked Strangers. Uh, It'll show readers another side of emergency medicine and take you inside some of our most beautiful national parks. Um, He also writes about tourism, shrinking budgets, and people who love our parks to death and fight for the life of America's best idea. So this is just a book about a lot of different things, especially the national parks. So if that sounds like up your alley, grab a copy. That is Wild Rescues by Kevin Grange. Uh, so with that, we're going to shift into our uh, regular segment. This is uh, something that's timely uh, or connected to the news of the day. And so this week we decided we would uh, talk about music and musicians because the Grammy Awards are March 14th, which is tomorrow. So they'll have already happened um, after this book comes out. Uh, but we thought we'd try a, a segment on music and musicians because I don't think we've done that before. Um, and it is not surprising, I think, that <laughs> we have taken completely different uh tracks to get to the books we have chosen for this episode um before we do that there is one piece of nonfiction news that i bumped actually down to this segment because it was related and it is about paul mccartney who is from the beatles and he is has a memoir that is coming out in november that is uh very long 
So the book is called The Lyrics, 1956 to the Present, coming out November 2nd. And it will trace his life through 154 songs from his teens and early partnership with fellow Beatle John Lennon to his solo work over the past half century. And he, uh, I saw in one article that it is like 900 pages long, but I cannot find it in this one that we're going to link to. So I hope that I'm not making that up. But Paul McCartney has a memoir due out in November. We can't talk about that one yet, but we are going to talk about some other musicians. And I have chosen um, two musician memoirs. But Alice, I feel like I've been talking for a long time, so I'm going to have you go first instead. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, we definitely kind of took different paths with this, which is an exciting part of, uh, you know, choosing topics for our uh, nonfiction themes. But my first pick is Opera for Dummies by David Pogue and Scott Speck. I was thinking about music, and so I trained as an opera singer for uh, about 20 years, (laughs) which is weird to say. But um, I didn't always, you know, like opera, I think has a very, uh, or can have a very high threshold for getting into it because, you know, it's very frequently in a different language than your native one and um, has all of this like tradition associated with it that goes back to the 1600s. So um, it can seem daunting to get into it. When I was 13, I decided I wanted to be an opera singer and I was like, okay, how do I learn about that? The internet was not very uh, into its element yet. So I got Opera for Dummies and it honestly was fantastic. And uh, really, the first half is kind of explaining how opera came to be, how it works, you know, like what the different parts are of it. And then the second half is plots of like the most famous operas. So, you know, you can read that and then be like, oh, I'd be interested in like hearing the music for this. It also, uh, at least the version that I got in 1998, had a CD, um, so like an audio component that has highlights. So I was able to then hear, you know, like these are the, you know, kind of like very famous bits from operas um they have like choruses and arias and all that and so i honestly even though it's like an older book i would really recommend it if you're at all interested if you're like i kind of want to get into opera like what's the deal there or at least feel like i have a a cultural understanding of it like if someone references it or i I, even like if i want to know how to pronounce various words that i see associated with opera because they have you know the like um a phonetic i don't know they write it out and uh it's a really fantastic intro so um yeah opera for dummies by david pogue and scott speck that's such an offbeat pick like i really that sounds fascinating and i knew that you trained for opera but i didn't realize you had trained for so long that's really cool Oh, yeah. Um, so as I alluded before, uh, for this one, I decided to do two musician memoirs, both that I had listened to on audiobook of contemporary musicians. So a very different approach than Alice. Um, the first one is More Myself, A Journey by Alicia Keys, uh, which she wrote with Michelle Burford, who we've mentioned before as a, a ghostwriter or a memoir supporter who has helped a lot of artists and um actors and whatnot with their memoirs. So uh, that was one of the other reasons I was excited about it. So uh, this one came out uh, March 2020, uh, narrated by Alicia Keys. And it basically is just her full life story. So it starts with growing up in Hell's Kitchen in Harlem, about how she got into music, about attending a performing arts high school, uh, about her complicated relationship with her father and her really strong connection with her mother and her other family, um, about being a mixed race kid with, um, you know, white and black grandparents and how those relationships 
formed, um, her romantic relationships, her friendships, becoming a mother, and then a lot about the stories behind her albums. Um, what I liked, one of the things I liked about this one was there's so much stuff about being in the music industry. So she writes about like what it takes to make an album, what it feels like to be an artist who um, she felt like in some ways was trying to get boxed into being a particular kind of artist and how she pushed back against that to try and keep the sound and the music that she really wanted to do. Um, there's a lot in here about standards for female beauty and how she has tried to push back against that as she has grown up and kind of found her own self-worth. Um, and a lot one of the themes of the book um, kind of in the title is about how she has started to um, how she has grown and been able to like recognize and honor her own worth and about uh, and discovering who she's meant to be and how to be brave enough to embrace that person. So what was really interesting about this book is as I got into it, I kept thinking there's a bunch of stuff in here that should make me not like it. Um, stuff that like in many circumstances would bother me. So like, for example, she talks about like feeling the vibe all the time, which is just a phrase that like rubs me the wrong way. Um, she name drops a ton of famous friends and musicians. There's one chapter where like she and Bono have lunch at the White House with President Obama. And she just like talks about it as if they're just like normal people. And so she's she's like name dropping them without really like name dropping because that's you know, when people name drop, it's because they want you to, like, know that they know famous people. And these are just, like, my friends Bono and Obama when I had lunch. Um, and it also, like, moves super fast. And so it feels like she never really settles into a single story for very long. And yet somehow by the end, the whole thing came together and I really liked it. Um, there's a lot in it about creativity and art and what it is like to make music and how she has approached each of her albums. She writes about like the creative process in each one. And that I thought was kind of fascinating, just seeing how an artist who really is connected deeply with her music and writes a lot of her own music and lyrics, how she does that and what her collaborations are like. Um, and I don't know, she just comes off as like a really genuinely nice person. And the audiobook is cool because she opens many of the chapters with words from other people. And so you hear these other voices talking about her and their relationship and um, herself as an artist or Alicia as an artist. And I think I really liked that as well. So um, I don't know, I, like I really liked this one, but I feel like it, I, I'm not exactly sure why because of the things that would normally bug me about an audiobook by a celebrity were here. And I don't know why they didn't bug me this time. but. I thought it was fun and it was interesting and she's a, a great narrator of her book. So More Myself, A Journey by Alicia Keys. I like, gosh, I don't listen to a lot of contemporary music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking you were talking about. But um, I am very impressed with the work that Alicia Keys has done. Mm -hmm. um, and that just sounds really good as like a, a kind of a very um, vulnerable and thoughtful memoir. Mm -hmm. I'm go with those words. Uh, my next book is is another opera book. So uh, just, but you know, it's but it's a gossipy one. So it's very different from the first. <laughs> so it is molto agitato, the mayhem behind the music at the Metropolitan Opera by Johanna Fiedler. Um, I would think okay, even if you don't listen to opera, I think this book is worth it because it is very like here's just the backstage of like what's going on at the. Um, definitely the the most important opera house in America, um, possibly not the world, but um, it's it's got such a long history and 
uh, as you might guess, operatic personalities are very uh, inclined to drama. So there's just like so much going on in terms of like what was happening backstage. And like you get stories about, um, I don't think they talk about Nellie Melba, who was a very early opera diva, who uh, my favorite story about her is that she was backstage with a rival soprano and she was like she looked at her in horror and she was like oh one of your eyebrows has fallen off like her fault they were wearing fake eyebrows and so the other girl before she went on stage she ripped the other one off but of course the first one had been there the whole time so uh it's just (laughs) it's stuff like that and so if you uh if you want to know that and also how a a major artistic company like what the backstage is like and how um the directors run it and the conductors like the role that they have because they're like powerhouse figures obviously um it's just a really it's a fun book also don't judge it by the paperback cover i just saw it and it's hideous it's so bad <laughs> if you look at the hard cover cover uh it's fantastic and it, it more i think represents uh the quality within the book so again that is molto agitato the mayhem behind the music at the metropolitan opera by joanna fiedler that sounds delightful i love books that are like behind the scenes or explaining how something works um so that feels like it would be a good one just for like how does the op- how does an opera house even exist and like make money yeah. and have people working in it so yeah fascinating pick really good one um my second pick is also a uh, memoir on audiobook by a female singer open book by jessica simpson which came out in february 2020 uh which is another one that i wasn't super interested when it first came out and then a lot of people started saying what a great memoir it was and i was like all right fine i was into jessica simpson when i was a young teen so let's hear her story and so um And this one, she kind of opens it by talking about a little bit how originally she was approached to write a book that was like a motivational guide about living your best life. And then she didn't feel like that was right and so ended up writing this very vulnerable and open memoir. So this is another one that is a full life story. So she starts with growing up as a preacher's daughter in Texas uh, about trying to get discovered in the music industry. She tries out for um, Mickey Mouse Club and like the relationship. You know, she's competing with other young pop stars like Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears. Um, she writes about like eventually getting her break and becoming a pop star and what that was like. Um, unlike Alicia Keys, like she had v- less control, I think, over her image. And so she really got pushed into the like female pop star thing, competing with all those other blonde female pop stars. Um, she becomes a celebrity wife when she marries Nick Lachey, uh, dates Tony Romo eventually. So she writes about like the complexities of those romantic relationships and then eventually like coming out of those things and settling down as a wife and mother and finding success in the fashion industry. So um, I will say as a content warning, there is a discussion of a childhood sexual assault by a family member. Um, but aside from that, I think it's pretty straightforward. Um, she is I think what works about this one is that she is very open about everything. She doesn't try to like hide or explain the person she was and she gives you the background story of some of the kind of viral moments that I think people know Jessica Simpson for. So like when she and her husband had a reality show and she asked if tuna is chicken or fish, um when she starred in the Daisy or as Daisy Duke in the Dukes of Hazard remake, um when she was dating T- Tony Romo and how she got called a football jinx because he had a couple of bad seasons. Um this like weird moment when she got uh basically like fashion shamed for wearing what 
people called mom jeans, like all of that stuff. She's super open about it and I think has a good sense of humor about herself, which is really important. Um, And she is open without being mean or harsh. Like I think she has a lot of empathy and understanding for people in her life that may have that you could look at as having wronged her or treated her badly in some way. But I think she has a pretty honest assessment of them and and how she has responded. So if you're a person who is very into like teen pop stars of like the 90s and early 2000s, like I think you will find this one very interesting. Um, And I especially think it kind of came a little ahead of this like larger reckoning we're now starting to have with the way female pop stars were treated during that time. Um, You know, the Free Britney documentary on Hulu and stuff like Jessica Simpson is part of that whole culture. And so I think this is a good look at that. So uh, yeah, if that sounds like your thing, I re- I did think it was a great audiobook. Open Book by Jessica Simpson. Did she know if tuna was chicken or fish? She She asked. And I think at the time, I don't remember exactly how she explained it, but that it was like a genuine question. And the the reality show producers kind of ran with it in a way that maybe was a little unfair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, my next pick is Me and Patsy Kicking Up Dust, My mm-hmm. Friendship with Patsy Klein by Loretta Lynn. Uh okay, so my I've always said, and by always I mean let's say the last 15 years, that my favorite singers, number one is Beverly Sills, who is an American Jewish soprano, uh, who is amazing. And then number two is Patsy Klein. Uh, gosh, she's so good. I can't can't even. My wife and I danced to a Patsy Cline song at our wedding. Uh, She is just, uh, gosh, her artistry. Okay, so Loretta Lynn is 88. This book came out last year. Like, she's just turning out albums. She's writing books. She's, yeah, she's just going. So this book, it's very, um, it's got like a really folksy tone. And which I think Loretta Lynn has maintained throughout her career, which started in 1959. And that was 60 years ago. And again, she's still like doing stuff. It's amazing. So uh, her friendship with Patsy Cline is pretty famous. It was in Coal Miner's Daughter. Uh, I think it's also portrayed in the Jessica Lange Patsy Cline movie, Sweet Dreams. And she Patsy Cline was um, already a name in Nashville when Loretta Lynn arrived. And she took Loretta Lynn under her wing. And they just had this... Um, relatively brief but just very strong friendship that Loretta Lynn has always been very um uh I'm just thinking of the right word it has felt very strongly about clearly and that it had this huge impact on her life and how much she valued you know this uh more seasoned performer just really showing her the ropes not seeing her as a rival but just being you know like here's how you can make it here's how you can get better and helping her in her personal life as well as her professional life so I was really happy that she decided to write a book about, like, specifically about their friendship. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty short. So if you want, like, just a nice, gentle, like, uh, memoir, I guess it's a memoir. If you're just, like, talking about a friendship with someone, it's, you know, it's not specifically about her entire life, Mm -hmm. but it's about this, this dynamic. Um, Then me and Patsy kicking up dust, my friendship with Patsy Klein by loretta lynn excellent that sounds really charming and fun and yeah i like books that kind of tell like one particular story that are not like full life stories too so it's a good recommendation um charming is the right word that's what i was looking for it's a charming book 
Yeah, nice. Um, and I just want to very briefly mention another book that I've talked about on the podcast several times, so I didn't want to do a full pick of it. And that is My Own Devices, True Stories from the Road on Music, Science, and Senseless Love by Dessa, uh, which is a kind of collection of essays by Dessa, who is a rapper. Um, she was part of Doomtree and then has also done some uh, individual albums. And so these are just some really great, uh, just great essays about like she says, music, science, and senseless love. The The big essay of the collection is about how she took part in a scientific experiment to try and get over a person she broke up with, and, like, they did some brain science with it. Um, and it's just, they're so good. She has such a cool writing. She was a technical writer before she was a rapper, or in conjunction with her early rap career, and so she has a lot of really good perfect sentences in this book um it's just a great collection of essays that are about a lot of different things that i really liked and so didn't want to pass up a chance to recommend my own devices true stories from the road on music science and senseless love by dessa i've been meaning to pick that up ever since the first time you recommended it (laughs) and i have a copy of it and i still haven't read but i'm going to i'm going to yeah i don't remember the first episode i brought it up i know i've talked about it a few different times so i didn't want to like take us down a whole rabbit hole again but it's great Uh, And so that is a bunch of books about music from opera to country to contemporary musicians. So if you are a music person, pick those up. And even if you're not, I think some of those might be fun reads anyway. And so with that, we will close the podcast out as we normally do by talking about the books we are reading right now at this very moment. Um, And I actually have spent the last couple of weeks in the middle of two memoirs that both came out last year that I really am liking. So I wanted to quick mention both of them. Um, The first one is The Fixed Stars by Molly Weisenberg. And this is a book about a woman who in her mid-30s, she's uh, married and has a daughter and she and her husband co-own a couple of restaurants. And she, in her mid-30s, um, has an experience that starts makes her start to question her sexuality. And so she, after kind of grappling with that over and over again, decides that she's going to pursue that. And so it's about her and her husband trying to navigate first an open marriage and then a divorce, um, an exploration of queer identity and women's sexuality. And it's a really beautiful memoir. She is a lovely writer and um, kind of interrogates a lot of different things about herself and her relationships and writes about what it is like to come out become a come out as queer in her mid-30s uh, which is a more less common story than maybe maybe I initially thought when I picked the memoir up so that one's really fascinating um the other one is the smallest lights in the universe a memoir by Sarah Seeger uh Sarah Seeger is an astrophysicist who is searches is part of her research is around searching for exoplanets which are tiny planets way out or not tiny planets but planets way out in the solar system that could be like earth in some way um and so her job is to try and find those Uh, But the memoir is about kind of her experiences in in that field, but also um, her experience as a young widow after losing her husband. And so I haven't gotten too far into that one yet, but it's really beautiful. And so that's the one I'm going to be reading this weekend. So that is The Smallest Lights in the Universe, a memoir by Sarah Seeger. That is fascinating uh, regarding the fixed stars because the narrative for – at the time, it was very fixedly kind of like lesbian women. Mm-hmm. It was almost always older women. Like when, even when I was coming out, which was like I don't know, like almost ten years ago, uh, that was pretty much what was out there. And oh, I think that it's shift. Yeah, I think it's shifted a ton so, in the last ten years. So, like, part um, of the reason I was surprised and like 
it felt like such an uncommon story was like this was a get booked question was by someone who was coming out as queer in her late 30s and she wanted other books on that topic and Jenna and I both like had a hard time trying to find ones that we felt like fit that story so maybe you just weren't looking back far enough or you didn't ask your fantastic I co-host I know I should have asked um, you that was a that was a misstep if if anyone is by the way I always recommend dear John I love Jane which is specifically about women who are in relationships with men who realize they want to be with uh, female partners. But um, my current read is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. It is fiction. And I literally just started it and I have determined not to look up anything about it. All I know is that it was very popular and I had to wait for it for a very long time at the library. So... I will get back to you all about what that is about. I do really want to hear what you think of this one. Oh, good. Okay. And with that, you can find us on social media. I am at It's Alice Time and Kim is at Kim the Dork. Our amazing audio editing for this episode was done by Dan Baker. And if you have a minute, we would love it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That helps people find us more easily. Then you can subscribe so you get new episodes the very minute they come out. So with that, I'm Kim Ukra. And I'm Alice Burton. And we thank you for listening to this week's episode of the For Real Podcast.